Hello, this is Dr. Franchio Hamilton, and today we will be mapping bariatric surgery on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Franchelle Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton has several years of training, not only in medicine, but chemistry and psychology, which she obtained all over the world. After completing her medical degree, Dr. Hamilton went to work helping patients struggling with their weight. She founded a Better Way Center, that's W-E-I-G-H, providing a wide range of wellness services without judgment. Dr. Hamilton wanted permanent solutions, so started practicing and then training on programs that focused on surgery on the mind for wellness and weight loss. And I know weight loss can be a heavy topic, so please be sure to tune in and glean some wisdom from Dr. Hamilton's very holistic perspective. Dr. Hamilton, welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, one reason I was really excited to talk to you is that you have a history working in bariatric surgery and you kind of transformed that and your approach to weight loss. And what I see and what I was just chatting with you about before we hit record is that we're often seeing clients or patients in our practices who have had bariatric surgery. I'm wondering if we could just start out by explaining what bariatric surgery is, because it's not just one thing, right? Yeah, so I am a bariatric surgeon, so I was trained in bariatric surgery. I actually started off with a bariatric surgery practice and then added weight loss and other modalities later after seeing that so much more was needed. So essentially, bariatric surgery is what we call a metabolic surgery, and there's different types of bariatric surgeries. As many people know, there's the gastric sleeve, where we just take a portion of the stomach, about 70% of the portion of the stomach. And by removing that portion, a lot of hormones like ghrelin and stuff changes the metabolism of the body. And then we also have the gastric bypass, which is where we almost like reroute the intestines. So we make a small gastric pouch, bring the small intestine up to that gastric pouch, and then the rest of the stomach is bypassed. And then the latest one that is a little bit more potent, so to speak, than those two is the duodenal switch, which is what we're calling the Taj Mahal of bariatric surgery. It's only for patients with a much higher BMI, BMI 50 and, and above. And that is a combination of a sleeve and a gastric bypass. The, the band, which many of you probably know of, is, is for the most part has gone away. 
we're doing a lot of revisions of the band to something else, but most of us aren't doing that anymore. When we're thinking about bariatric surgery, there is an alteration to, as you said, always the digestive system and also to the hormones. As we know in functional medicine and functional nutrition, the gut is sort of one of the seats of everything we're looking mm -hmm. at in terms of health outcomes. So how do we address digestive health in an individual who has had bariatric surgery? Are there things we should be concerned about? Yeah. So many times you're right. Like because we alter the actual mechanisms of absorption and different things during bariatric surgery, after a bariatric surgery, things are a little bit different. Most patients don't absorb the way they used to absorb. So they'll need higher levels of a certain supplements, or they'll need pure or elemental, and you guys would know a lot about this, probably mm -hmm. more than me, as far to get better absorption. So a lot of the stuff is absorbed in the first portion of the small intestines. Well, in a gastric bypass, for example, and even a duodenal switch, that is that mechanism is completely bypassed. So you're essentially bypassing a lot of the mechanisms for when they eat to absorb a lot of those minerals and nutrients, such as vitamin B12, right. such as iron, such as vitamin D, a lot of fat-soluble vitamins. So all bariatric patients have to take that. You know, some regular non-bariatric patients, you kind of get it from your food or get it from more natural sources. But, but yes, exactly. <laughs> but bariatric patients, even if they eat it in their food, they're not going to get enough because we have altered the mechanism for them to absorb it. So those right. are things to look out for, nutritional deficiencies. Really important because then we see downstream effects of those nutrient deficiencies that might present as their own signs, symptoms, or diagnoses that are related to those deficiencies. So something we should all be thinking about. And it makes sense why you sort of shifted away from it as a primary focus. One question I have for you before we kind of take that shift and talk about weight through a different lens is what about probiotics? This is something I hear my students ask a lot for the people that they're seeing who have had bariatric surgery. Should we be concerned about them? How should we be thinking about them? How do we support the microbiome? Yes. So good question. So the microbiome definitely changes after bariatric surgery. Again, for the same reason, we're, we're altering the way their normal intestinal tract was, was designed and was hooked up. And so you definitely see a lot of overgrowth of bacteria in bariatric patients that you typically have. Well, you can see it in, in normal, but it, right. it's, it's propensity for bariatric patients to often have overgrowth. And that's another reason why they may not absorb the way they should be absorbing. So it's like when we do this alteration, the microbiome, all this stuff kind of goes haywire until the body kind of gets used to it. And it depends a lot on what the patients are ingesting. A lot of times, initially anyway, they're not ingesting hardly anything except for liquids. Right. So they're not really able to feed that gut biome. So a lot of different things are happening. So I always recommend my patients get on a probiotic. Always, 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 always. Any bariatric patient. I think that, I mean, that will definitely help that gut. There's so many things that changed in the villi and that needs to grow and be nurtured, just like in a normal, you know, gut. But usually they have decreased 
good microbiome after a bariatric surgery that also can affect outcomes. So I highly recommend that they be supplemented. Really good points, Dr. Hamilton. And what about those hormones? What should we be thinking about with the, you mentioned the ghrelin and the leptin, how is that impacting the rest of the hormonal cascade and informing our decisions about how to support that individual? Yeah. So once we alter the stomach and the intestines, these uh, hormones change. Usually the appetite, the one that says I'm hungry, usually actually goes down. Insulin, they usually have a better capability to make insulin. So for example, a lot of patients who have diabetes or insulin resistant, it's because the beta cells, that hormone that is released by the beta cells, insulin is not working and it's much more resistant. So after a bariatric surgery, they also become more sensitive to insulin. And that's why a lot of times diabetes go away or pre-diabetes go away, but it also has to be careful on what you're feeding them. So that, mm-hmm. that's why we always like low carb in this patient population, especially initially, because so many things are changing and to kind of give them these huge like sugar loads, it messes up these hormone signals that we have changed by doing surgery. And then that's where they get stuff like dumping syndrome and some of these other manifestations that you have read or have seen because we're changing these hormones. So it's very important as a nutritionist after surgery, just to kind of be aware of what hormones are changing. They usually have a decreased appetite. They're usually more sensitive to insulin. So you you need to keep that in mind when when recommending a regimen for them, especially initially post-bariatric, probably for the first six to eight months. I'm so grateful for this conversation. So far, I can't tell you how important this is because coming from you and the work you do, really informing the community who works in nutrition and works through a nutritional lens, this gives us so much to be thinking about. When considering a patient who is wanting to lose weight and their next step regime, at what point are you at these days with the evolution of your thinking, considering bariatric surgery as an option? So now after years of doing bariatric surgery and having weight regain issues, and and I will add to, even in my practice, a lot of the post-op nutrition went to the nutritionist. So I think it's very important for you guys to kind of understand, you know, post-bariatric surgery, because they will often come to you, even in weight regain, they usually go to nutritionist first, but um, often seeing a lot of weight regain, I have decided that there's things that needed to be identified initially before getting the surgery. And, And if we can identify some of those things, you'd be surprised binge eating disorders, certain habits that they have, maybe traumatic experience that caused them to trigger to eat different foods that never has been addressed. All of these things and habits I've recognized after a decade of doing bariatric surgery need to be identified and recognized before a surgery, because even if you give them a surgery, they will often slip back into those habits a year or two or three later when they're triggered by certain stuff. So all of that needs to be identified beforehand. I still think there is a role for surgery in higher BMI, multiple medical problems, the patient has who's kind of already gone through these steps and I've done everything in their lifestyle to make those changes and need more of a metabolic jumpstart. But I don't think surgery should definitely be the, the, the 
initial or even the second tool, because a lot of times if these aren't done before their surgery, they just regain. So they've undergone a major surgery. Bariatrics is a major surgery, a major lifestyle change that can trigger them to go into all kind of other emotional and mental states because so much stuff changes after a bariatric surgery. And yet they have not learned how to identify or treat some of these other lingering conditions that were going on before surgery. So mm-hmm. I think it's very important to identify those upfront. And if they cannot almost like identify or become self-aware or resolve some of those issues, I would say they are not going to be a bariatric candidate because those aren't going to go away. If anything, bariatric surgery will make the, some of those conditions worse. Kudos for you for really taking that approach, kind of doing the pre-work and recognizing that this isn't a quick fix. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you position it like that. In today's day where there is a lot of focus on body positivity and body acceptance and weight loss is a little more controversial than it has been in some time. How do you approach that conversation? Or are you seeing a patient population who's at a different place where their metabolic issues are really a health risk? So kind of in this all in the same. So I'm seeing patients who already have medical problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of going back, because I'm I'm a big fan of body positivity. Like I think you should love that the the body you're in. And even when my own patients, we will discuss what's realistic and what's not realistic. The goal for me, and I will honestly say most providers is for them to be healthy. It's not for them to be thin. It's not for them to look good. You know what I'm saying? For bariatric surgeons, the goal is for them to be healthy. And that should be the goal of any patient. I will argue having seen it, higher BMIs, yes, love your body, but there are scientific and evidence at the cellular level that being high BMI is not healthy. You may not have hypertension or diabetes at this point in time, but there has been too many risk factors associated with increased obesity and different obesogenic cancers and stuff that need to be addressed. So it has nothing to do necessarily with the body, like you, I have higher BMIs and they have a lot of muscle mass. There's, there's so many different things, right. To kind of calculate that. Um, and, and I make sure I take that into account. Like just because you have a higher BMI doesn't mean that you have, you're at a health risk. So you really kind of have to separate the two and take those into account. Yeah, really well said and helps with our considerations and thinking about who's coming to us and how we have those conversations. I know that you, as you stated, really believe that weight loss is more about mindset than surgery or pills or the quick fix. Can you share the pillars that you've identified as part of that process, kind of that pre-work we were talking about? Yeah. So now when patients come to my office and they come to me with problems, you, I will be honest, most of my patients have other medical problems Yeah, and that can include depression, anxiety, hypertension, sleep apnea. They just have other medical problems. And so what we do is we almost like categorize them. So every medical problem I feel has a root. And so the root could be mental root. It could be an environmental root. It could be a behavioral root or it could truly be like a medical route. And so mm-hmm. 
those are kind of the four roots. So we almost like have to go back and figure out where is say your hypertension or your diabetes or your, where is this rooted? Is it in mental? Is it your behaviors? Is it your environment causing stress? I mean, there's so much work on environment now, or is it a genetic problem? For example, there are certain genes that where people have a propensity to be more obese. And so we kind of dissect that out for every medical problem that they have. And then we also look at thoughts, um, emotions, actions, and behaviors. And so those are kind of the four. You have the four overview. Each medical problem, I feel like, is rooted in one or multiple of the four categories that I mentioned. And then once we identify that, we go back to how are their thought process around these things how almost like are their emotions? Because those two are what trigger people's actions and they trigger the behavior and ultimately the habits. So you have to go down to really the thought process in these different categories um, and then kind of work from there. So that's what we do now. We almost like work backwards. So they come in with, I have diabetes. Well, it's not just, okay, here's your pill or here's your bypass. It's where did it stem from? How do you feel about that? What's your environment like, you know, around that? What's, you know, your mental thoughts around that? I mean, it's, there's just so many other things that you need to treat before giving them a pill, a surgery, or even a a nutrition plan for that matter. It has to work well with the patient. Yes. So well said. We have to look at why the way I teach into it, which is very similar for any health condition is that we're stepping back and mapping. And until we do Mm -hmm. that mapping and really put some thought processes before it, we are out of uh, scope. We're out of integrity. We're out of compassion and empathy to just proceed with some kind of intervention. And what I hear you talking about is a deep assessment, getting to know the patient, really understanding the biochemical pathways, the mental pathways, all of it before you're making those recommendations to proceed with any one thing. Correct. Is there anything, Dr. Hamilton, that we didn't discuss that you really wish healthcare providers knew in serving this patient population? I guess both those who are coming with that weight gain post-bariatric surgery, but also those we're speaking to who are struggling with weight? I have noticed that there's usually um, kind of, and and you guys have probably seen this being functional medicine, but there's usually always a root that has triggered that. It's, It's a trigger of some sort. And it's almost like finding out where that is and, and why it's there. And then finding the patient's motivation. If the patient's, oh, talk about body positivity. If the patient's motivation is to look good, to, to be in a wedding or whatever, the, they're not going to do well. I've, I've seen it. They're not going to do well with bariatric surgery. Right. And so it's just kind of identifying that and identifying the triggers. And often patients don't even know what it is. You as the providers almost have to help the patient dig deep and find out what that is. And when they find out what that is, it's almost like a light switch for the patients and everything changes. And then they, they're just, they're better at whatever you want them to do, whatever they try to do, almost like when they release what I call strongholds, whatever that stronghold is. I think all providers need to find that because it manifests 
as obesity, it manifests as depression, it manifests as a medical problem. And so as a provider, that's what, how we need to treat and resolve our patients' conditions. Beautifully said. Those roots, that motivation, those are the keys. Dr. Hamilton, thank you for the work you do and for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com. 